Yay. Hello and welcome to Dynasty Degens episode nine. Um, today we're going to be talking about rookie drafts. We have touched on it before, but I think we're really going to dive into how rookie drafts have changed for a lot of people. I know there's some crazy people out there or really smart people, whatever you want to call them, that are waiting on their rookie drafts. Um, so there's probably a good um, shift in value for a lot of people that, you know, if you did it earlier, you might have missed on some guys or taken them too early. Um, and now that we have those landing spots and really have an idea of what kind of player they might be or what they're valued at, um, I know there's a lot of value change in the, the draft itself. Um, so it's going to be fun to kind of redo this draft and then see where we land on these guys. Um, yeah, I jumped on with a headband today and I got flamed by JC pretty hard. Um, <laughs> it was a regrettable decision. And I. Oh, it looks good. You have like. On. Uh... You have like Karate yeah. Kid vibes right now. Hey, I appreciate that. That's actually not <laughs> a bad comp. I like that. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to swing it over to uh, my guy, JC. JC, how you doing tonight? Good, nerd. And you look very handsome. And I think the Lululemon fit is appropriate on the day that Connor Bedard's Lululemon campaign was dropped. So that's a little hockey talk for you here on a Dynasty football podcast, but... We'll stick with it. Yeah, I don't get why people would want to do a rookie draft like in August. I yeah, feel like, kind of, I feel like that kind of like defeats the whole purpose of being a dynasty degenerate in a way that you're kind of waiting until you get every last bit of information out before you have to click the draft button. I don't think that's that much fun. But yeah, yeah there's no risk. There's no risk there. You know, yeah. people waiting on rookie drafts um, that does take the fun out of it. I want to draft like the day that the actual draft is happening. You know, I'm like, oh, round one is halfway done. Let's start baby up. Uh, but we got a little sneak peek of who we have on tonight. Um, we have our buddy Chuck Bass. He is kind of all over the place. I love this guy. He's he's already one of my good friends in this space, and I feel like we just started interacting a, a month ago. Um, Chuck, why don't you tell us what you're what you're up to and what you're doing and where people can find you? Oh, man, you guys were already talking my kind of sauce with, you know, wanting to draft already. And, you know, you had me. I've been wanting to come on since you guys got in this role, and it's been a lot of fun getting to know you guys. Uh, I'm the host of This Guy Sucks with Chuck Bass, uh, mainly an in-season podcast. But right now I've been doing a lot of blind dates. JC's been on. Mike, you'll be on soon having some fun and just, uh, you know, trying to spice the offseason up. We're in the rut right now. We're in, like, the dog days where just nothing's happening. Um, we're hanging on the thread of – um, you know, terrible off-season reporting and who's going to sign where. So I'm happy to dive back into some stuff that really matters. So this is clutch. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on. Um, I know that you're kind of all over the place and I really enjoy 
what you guys are doing with Dynasty Hour um, with Blue Chip. Blue Chip, somebody that was on the show. Oh, yeah. I got to. Uh, I don't know. How do I not plug that? That's unbelievable. I'm sorry. That shows the show how <laughs> all over the place I am. Yes. Dynasty Hours, TSS, Thursdays, nine. Great stuff. Yeah. I love, I love that show. And I, blue chip is somebody that I got really close with pretty fast too. Um, that's, that's one of my guys out there in the space and he's really grinding and, um, doing yeah, a lot of great, great stuff. And he's a, he's a funny dude. He was on, I think episode two or three yeah, our um, of our, yeah, of our new podcast first guest. Um, nice. But, uh, yeah. So I think what we like to start off with, um, just do a quick, like, hey, this is how I got into the space and this mm-hmm. is how I started potting or how I, I started making articles or whatever it is that you sure. you really thrive on in the space. And um, mm-hmm. just when you started it, how many dynasty leagues you're in um, and what nice. really got you just going around here? The, run, the rundown. I like it. Um, well, just like everybody, you know, I was like first time, long time with fantasy. Like I've been playing forever, trying to consume as much content as I could. But I thought it just started getting really um, – really stale. Like I felt like I was listening to like those spiritual medium shows like John Edwards, where they're like cold reading rooms and giving out like terrible bulletproof advice that they could never be wrong on. Um, and I really hated that, but I wasn't really deep into like Twitter. I was mainly on like Reddit or, you know, just like sleeper mock chat drafts, which are, you know, just a plus for toxicity, which I kind of feed off of. Um, so I just saw like a need for maybe some entertainment value, which is what I try to bring. And, you know, I also thought I knew a lot more than most people. And then I started like uh, hanging around you lot and I realized I don't know anything. So it's been really nice because I get to step my game back up. Um, You know, it's no longer relying on vibes and situations and reading the room like I relied on forever. I have to get into, you know, like velocity and uh, historical combine measurements and stuff. So um, I appreciate you guys pushing me to be a better dynasty player. I'm in three leagues right now uh, with a fourth one coming, which feels pretty... I feel like a prude almost saying that out loud, but um, I'm coming along. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I was in three leagues. Um, I think, JC, how many leagues are you in? I'm in a cool dozen right now. Everybody's got to start nice. somewhere, though, you know? That's like, hot. Yeah, cool. That's hot. I like that. It's a good bar. Cool dozen feels good. Feels cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know? I do have to I, say, I, 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 I won one last year. I uh, won another, finished third in the other. Second, sorry. So um, the progress is coming along. Yeah, when we had Dynasty Blue Chip or Blue Chip Fantasy Blue Chip, sorry, hmm. we had um, we had him on and we we're talking to Jagger about how he got started and he kind of just comped it to, like you know, drugs and how you start off with redraft and then you you know graduate to Dynasty <laughs> and then you end up going into Devi or whatever and College of Campus yeah. and. And it just becomes like uh, the next best thing. You know, you, mm-hmm. one one league isn't enough, two leagues, 20 leagues. Um, so knowing when to stop is also probably a good thing, especially with fantasy football. Um, no, you, you're not you're not lying at all. And that actually makes it's like the kind of leagues you're in are like a checkpoint for where you are in your life. Like I was, you know, forever. I was like a rambunctious young man, redraft, you know, another team, another night, you know, like this like one night stand mentality. <laughs> you know, I settled down and settled down and got married and now i'm in you know multiple dynasty leagues playing the long game um we'll see where it goes but i'm I'm enjoying the ride yeah um yeah so what we we like to segue the show into we um we usually start with like a fun 
like going into someone's favorite TV show, talking about, mm-hmm. you know, their favorite show and the characters. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have something plugged in for us, um, something a little different that I would love for you to share. Um, so what's your, what's your um, favorite show? So my favorite show, and I have to go in the moment um, right now, it's definitely, I think you should leave on Netflix. Um, it's just like perfectly captures the like anxiety of life, but just in such an like, it's what I think Saturday Night Live used to be um, only a lot crazier. So it's really like captured the zeitgeist too. And so I don't know how you guys want to do it, or maybe we should save it. Um, I asked chat, I put, asked chat GPT to write a script in the style of, I think you should leave about the three of us doing a draft, which is what we have lined up right now. Um, and the resulting screenplay is pretty shocking, but it's also awesome. <laughs> um, so we can play that however you guys want. I think just dive into it, share, share what you want to <laughs> share on it and let's, uh, let's see what it I, came up with. I wish I had, um, I wish I had thought of this sooner because I wonder, I should have sent you, you guys lines and we could have read it aloud like a stage play. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Unfortunately, I would love to do that. <laughs> do you want me to email it to you guys and we can maybe save it for the end? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, okay. we can do that. Or I'll post it. I'll post it in the chat. I'll break out my yeah. skull and we could do a whole Hamlet thing to be or not to be <laughs> yeah. our vocal warm-ups and stuff like that. It'll be fun. Yeah, it nice. could be a good finish. All right. All right. I'll, um, well, I'll, I'll put it on Twitter. Yeah. And while you do that, I'm going to start up this mock and get this going. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a four-person mock today, rookies only. We're probably maybe pause the mock here and there to talk about where people shifted. Um, we'll get into to values and um, you know changes in, in rankings and stuff for, for certain people. But I think if you guys are all ready for that, I'm going to hit go. Yeah. I I absolutely am. I've been staring at this setup for um, not this in particular, but a sleeper draft board, what feels like all day, every day, forever. So I'm just in my element right now. And um, this one's not even a question for me. Never has been, never will be. What's interesting is that Gibbs has moved above like the two quarterbacks. I haven't done a, a rookie mock in a long time for for sleeper. I like I said, I do them like right right after. Um, I think I cannot go Gibbs over Brees, so that's not going to happen. And that's understandable. Yeah. And if you're not watching, Bijan Robinson went 101 to Chuck. Chuck, you want to talk about why Bijan is the 101? Um. I'm so anti RB across the board that I feel like I just need one every several years as like a flagpole. Um, and then I can just punt on it for what feels like forever. Obviously I like collecting value and there's a lot of guys that have, but a lot of guys that have upside, but because so many guys I think have upside as minimal as I think it is personally, um, I, I just one and done for me. And that's kind of a personal philosophy. That's my dynasty strategy. Yeah, I think that's a really popular strategy nowadays with the, the hero RB kind of set up mm. for your for your rosters and stuff, and you can kind of just roll over that RB2 spot. It's become mm. the, the new thing for the kids to do in Dynasty these days. So 
I think it makes a lot of sense. I think he's the best prospect in the draft. Top 10 draft capital for a running back, too. It doesn't happen very often, especially in today's NFL. So I think it's mm-hmm. a fairly safe and insulated pick, especially where he ended up going. I took Anthony Richardson at the 102. Um, top five pick. Elite athleticism that we saw. I don't think anything's really changed. I think this was the way that the, that the rookie drafts were turning leading up to the draft, probably like a month before it. People started hearing a lot more buzz that Richardson would be a top five pick, and as a result, he was going above Young and Stroud as the QB one because of the rushing upside. So I think it this just stays the same. So I'm fine with A. Rich there at 102. Clutch. Yep, and then I followed that pick with Bryce Young. Um, you know, he he's somebody that pre-draft process I had as my QB one. Um, the only knock that anyone could ever have on him is his size. And, and that isn't something that would ever scare me away from, from drafting him. Um, I know that obviously he's going to have an uphill battle on Carolina dealing with that offense. Um, but I don't have no doubt that they're going to, they're going to really build around him and make him the focal point of, you know, what they're going to do over there. And, um, I, I think I, I love him. I think he's going to have a pretty decent floor this year. He's going to obviously have some some hiccups and stuff, but I could see him as a a pretty decent mid QB one this year. You know, like in the I would I I don't know if I'm going to put him as high as like a Kirk, but I would probably put him like where the Derek Carr could be, like sure. a. You know, decent, decent, like QB two on your like team that. is where I would, I would have him. Um, I think he'll he'll definitely produce and, and only get better as time goes on. Um, but then we have Vince going in the four spot, so he's ghosting right now. He's not on the pod, but he's one of our our guys over in the in the Discord. Um, he does all of our graphics. Love the kid. Um, he went Jameer Gibbs, and I, the question that I have for you guys is now that Stroud is really showing out in camp and he's getting some buzz that he's, you know, who we thought he was. Um, Do you still have Gibbs above Stroud, given the fact that, you know, a quarterback could easily rise in value way faster than the way the window of a a running back will keep value for it? Chuck, I'll let you take it first. Um, yeah, I would say at this moment as we speak, absolutely not, mainly because I don't believe anything that I hear, um, I, and I barely rely on anything that I see. Um, Gibbs has been a guy who's really risen for me. I was really bullish, mainly because I had some inherent bias as to where I hated the pick for the Lions as a team that I thought did not use their capital very well. Uh, but now that that dust has settled and I've kind of come back to my senses, I've just been reading and watching a lot of great stuff about you know, him as a prospect and what he can bring to the team. A very special young man, I think. Uh, Stroud, I mean, if he hits his ceiling, great, but that ceiling for what I still personally believe of him um, is lower than what I think Gibbs could be for the running back position. So it's just not much has changed in that regards for me. Yeah, I I agree with you too, Chuck. I I mean, when we did our first episode as a rookie mock, I remember we were talking about Gibbs versus Stroud at the 104 at that point in time. And I put out like an article saying that Gibbs should be the pick at 104 over Stroud. Because I think like you just said, especially with your Bijan logic where you want like your RB1 and then you'll kind of focus on everything else outside of that. 
Jameer Gibbs is like an RB1 for Dynasty. I think he's a top five running back in our consensus ranks for Dynasty DGENs. And I think it's a pretty safe pick at 104 that at the very least he'll maintain the value that he has right now, if not mm-hmm. shoot up in value as a result of that with him having the age that he has and the receiving upside and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm good with Jameer Gibbs going above Stroud. And I think because of like you said, I don't know if Stroud has that ceiling necessarily. I do know that Gibbs with the receiving upside has that floor at least to be an RB1. Yeah. We see a lot of Strouds come and go, I think. And I know people will say, well, how could you not say that about the running back position? Uh, I mean, somebody who's coming into the league with the skills that Gibbs already has. I mean, I think that's just like a hit the ground running. Let's go kind of thing. Yeah. I think of Stroud, even if he hits and he, you know, does pretty well right out the gate, he's still not going to be, you know, I think his ceiling is Dak. And I think that's, that's like Dak now. So Dak mm-hmm. after his whole rushing upside has kind of diminished, you know? So I think he's in that tier of Dak where he is right now in his older age. Um, so I, I, yeah, I agree that it's Gibbs because Gibbs is going to win you championships right, right off the bat. Right. Like he's going to be that guy that you're going to plug in could be your RB one of your dynasty team for the next two to three years. So um, yeah, you can't miss out on somebody that's going to produce immediately like that. But let's uh, let's keep. Oh, that was awful. I love, love the theme, so I could jam to that. So you guys play that as much as you want. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to hit Zoom. All of a sudden, I just went right into the intro. And hey, it's <laughs> good, good background music. All right, but lead us off second round. Okay. Um, I go there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny. That's almost what I did. Sometimes I wonder if that's the move. I'm going to pause on each round and just our picks for mm-hmm. like, people that aren't watched pod. Um, so Chuck, you went JSN at the two or well, yeah, I guess the 201, but we're we're four team, and so it's a 105. So mm-hmm. 105 JSN. Um, I don't think there's any question there, but I, I don't know JSN over over Stroud. I I think you could definitely make that a a build dependent, because I don't know. Do you do you guys think that JSN is going to produce right off the bat? Is he going to be like that that wide receiver two? If you will, kind of see him right at the bat, or is he somebody that you think you're going to need a couple weeks, a half a year mm-hmm. to produce with with a DK and a locket on this? Uh, JC, were you happy that I took him so you could take Stroud, or does that bother you? Um, that would be the decision that I would have to make between 105 and mm-hmm. 106. I'm not, I'm not sold particularly on Stroud over JSN or JSN mm-hmm. over Stroud. I would be fine mm-hmm. taking. Ever failed to me at 106. Um, mm-hmm. To answer Nerd's question, you always have like the one rookie that kind of breaks out and gets into like that low end, that high end wide receiver two, maybe even like a low end wide receiver one for redraft mm-hmm. every year. So you would anticipate one of these three guys that got drafted in this 105 through 108 range with JSN, Addison, and Quentin Johnston. One of the three mm-hmm. of them could slot in there. I think JSN has the most competition with 
Lockett sure. and DK DK Metcalf, who are two pretty good wide receivers in the NFL. And I, I just mm-hmm. feel like with them drafting Charbonnet and having Walker already and Gino kind of faltering down the stretch a little bit at the end of last year, I wouldn't be surprised like if they lean on the run game a bit more. And that's yeah. why they drafted Charbonnet. And it's it's more of an even balanced system. I think they were like 57% uh, pass last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's more at 50-50. And at that point, less targets with more receiving options. I don't know if JSN's the guy that'll break out year one necessarily, but I think in terms of dynasty, he's the best wide receiver prospect of the three. So I don't have an issue with it being taken at 105, but I'm fine with taking a shot at 106 in a super flex league for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's basically, you know, I try to play this, you know, obviously I'm assuming that I have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen as my quarterbacks in this league. So uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I look at JSN like, you know, if I was talking about, Year one, um, I'd be picking, and I'm not going to take my pick, none of the three receivers that I want for this year have been taken yet, or the guy that I want hasn't been taken yet. But if I'm talking about down the line, you know, I, I do think that uh, Lockett is – Lockett's still great, but he's getting up there. Metcalf is – I don't think Metcalf is the tent pole that a lot of the common NFL fans might think that he is in Seattle. Um, so I would expect the JSN takeover to happen sh- uh, sooner than people maybe expect. Um, the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, I mean, in his time with the Rams, I mean, they were running league-high three wide receiver sets, and they just haven't been doing it, in my opinion, because of Pete Carroll, but also because they haven't had that third wide receiver to kind of mold that cup, Cooks, Robert woods ask you know, attack. Have, still run heavy, always, but, um, you know, just a more balanced overall attack if they want to take the leap. Uh, and they believe that they're capable of doing so. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to push for playtime this year, but this is a five-year play. Yep. Yeah, I love I love JSN. I, he's the unquestioned wide receiver one of this class for me. That Nothing has changed. The landing spot, draft capital, um, He's he's been that guy. He's, you know, and he's not going to change. Um, but you know, if, if I'm talking about production, I think there, you're going to have to wait a little while to get yeah. what JSN can be. Um, I think you're going to, you're going to have to give it that. Cause I mean, before JJ and chase in dynasty, it was a three-year window. And I think they ruined that for most dynasty managers that weren't in dynasty before <laughs> they arrived, you know, cause people yeah. are just like, I want my guy to produce immediately. Otherwise, their value is shot, you know, but before they came around, it was like uh, you wait until that year three breakout because everyone would always say you hold your wide receivers until year three and then you know what you have. So, I mean, JSN might fit that mold. I'm not going to say we're going to wait three years because Lockett might not even be on the team next year. Um, And they might actually be in line for a QB upgrade. Something might happen. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe maybe Kyler is is a a trade target at the end of the year, anything, you know, NFL is the new NBA now, man. Everything is is insane, you know? So I, it's, it's no surprise if some QBs start shifting a little bit and, and they are in win mode um, for sure. I think, you know, if Gino can get them there. Yeah. But I think that that wouldn't matter if they, if they get a QB upgrade next year. Um, So I'm, I'm in on JSN, but I think over Stroud for me, it would have to be, how my team is looking, you know, like what, what I have for quarterbacks and what I have for wideouts. Um, Cause I think that's sure. definitely team team build dependent. Um, 
But yeah, JC wins Stroud, one oh uh, one oh six. Yeah, <laughs> the four the four person draft is really throwing me off right now. I cannot count <laughs> numbers. I cannot do this stuff. This is I'm crazy. glad you're hosting, honestly, because I'd be screwed. I'd be tripping over this on the ring. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I went Addison. So I went Addison 107, and um, he is somebody that I think is probably going to be the best target for redraft of these three wideouts. Mm-hmm. I like I like Addison a lot in Minnesota. I like him as a compliment for JJ, and and I think he's really going to just – see a lot of open looks. He's going to really work in the middle, um, you know, get, get his looks on the outside a little bit on the other, other side of the field of JJ, but I could see him as like almost in that Olave tier, as far as his production, like seeing a crazy amount of targets and having his value blow up because of the target share that he gets this year. Um, So he's, he's, one of my guys and somebody that I am pretty high as far as, you know, the consensus goes, I think I'm probably higher than a lot of people on, on him because I see his value going up and up. And, you know, I think we look at Thielen's production last year. Um, If he gets just that, I'm, I'm really happy with that as a, as a rookie for sure. So, um, but then, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think, I think that's a, you're spot on with that. I mean, you couldn't love the situation more from a guy who's already talented coming in. They had the league worst pass defense last year, and all they've done is bring in Brian Flores. Brian Flores is sorry, Brian Flores. His scheme is extremely difficult, so usually you don't see a huge improvement in year one. So that should remain pretty similar. This will be the first year in Kirk Cousins' tenure in Minnesota where he's had the same play caller in back-to-back years. So you hope that for whatever we think he is. He can maybe even make progress or at least maintain a high level of play that we saw last year. And I mean, if anybody is going to benefit the most, it's going to be Addison. Yeah. I think them. He hasn't had the the same play caller back to back years his Mm -hmm. entire time. That's crazy. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think them trading or cutting cook and, you know, people are really high on Madison. They think he's going to be a cook. That's not going to happen. I think we've talked about that on this pod before where cook is cook. And, you know, even in his, in his twilight years, he was definitely two times the running back that Madison is right now. So, um, I, I mean, they're going to be throwing it, you know, they're, they're not a run first offense anymore. So there's going to be targets there, but, um, yeah, to follow that up, um, Vince went QJ, um, QJ is somebody that I was really low on, and I think JC, you were really high on, right? If my I'm not mistaken, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, somebody that I'm warming up to, um, I didn't really like his college tape too much, I, I didn't like how he disappeared on plays and really just disappeared in half games sometimes. But, um, I, I love that landing spot, and I'm warming up to you know i'm taking him in, in some places definitely in redraft i think he's going to be a, a great value um how do you guys feel about qj a- after the whole draft process yeah i i feel like for like your money like he's probably the biggest the biggest value in the first round like in terms of what he is as a prospect the draft capo has invested in him in the landing spot that we all wanted 
a wide receiver to get in this draft being attached to Justin Herbert with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen aging out. Quentin Johnston is going to have every opportunity in the world to be the wide receiver one for a very talented quarterback for an offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator that we know likes to throw the ball around. So with his playmaking ability and he's a big yards after the catch guy as well, which is something that they don't necessarily really have in Los Angeles right now. They have Keenan Allen, who's a really good route runner. They have Mike Williams who goes after the deep ball a lot, but Quentin Johnston does something that neither one of those two really do all that well. Um, And I think that Mike Williams, I mean, he's probably just going to get hurt again. I mean, it it is, it is what it is at this point. I don't think he's played more than like 12, 13 games ever in an entire season. Um, I think he's pretty much at the point to where they're done with him after this year, regardless, even if he did manage to stay healthy for the entire season. I think Quentin Johnston personally, for me, I know this isn't a redraft show, but I think he's the guy that I'm targeting in redraft leagues because I think he is going to get an immediate opportunity to be a difference maker on this team. And all it takes is one injury to two ailing older wide receivers for him to be an immediate impact player that you probably get in like double digit rounds in that area. Yeah, I like that. I think you can definitely put money on the fact that Keenan Allen or Mike Williams will be injured throughout next year. I mean, I, I, not that Keenan Allen has been injury prone lately as opposed to like his earlier time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but once, once these guys have hammy issues, they have hammy issues mm-hmm. for life. I think Louis C.K. Yeah. did a, a, a bit of like <laughs> where he gets – he injures his back. Shitty, shitty, an- shitty ankle. He yeah. goes to the doctor and he's like, oh, man, my back <laughs> is killing me. And he's like, yeah. he's like, dude, just stretch out. And he's like, all right, how long do I do that for? He's like, you do that for the rest of your life, man. You just mm-hmm. have this for the rest of your life, bro. Like you are – this is like – he's like, I read a shit age where I just have this and it doesn't go away. And that's the reality mm-hmm. of like a 30-plus wide out that they just have to maintain with these injuries for the rest of their life. Um, no, you're, but, you're, you're right. And that's funny. Cause that's exactly the, that's the bit of Louie that I go to for all these guys where he's just like, no, it's just shitty now. And that you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, and it's funny because like injuries in the NFL and like how we all perceive them are usually a little more overblown, whether it's like, Oh, that guy always misses time or like, Oh, that, that, that coaching staff can't keep anybody healthy. The chargers are the only team that that actually consistently 100% applies to. They have a player miss a star player miss multiple time every single year, um, and that's why I love the fit for him. Um, every every draft, a guy who doesn't check as many boxes as we all hope he would somehow is like a breakout superstar, and we're like, damn! And it's usually because of the situation he's in, um, and this is like perfection for Quentin Johnson. Yeah, I took Josh Palmer everywhere last year because I was like, he's gonna just blow up. You know, I was like, Mike Williams is going to fall out. And and I was on him like every day, just telling all my buddies, mm-hmm. like, go get Josh Palmer. Go get him for a, a third. Go get him for a fourth, you know. Um, he, he led the really team in out targets last year. I know. I mean, it could have happened. If he was huge, if he was QJ, he would have had a, a, a monster year. He would have had a wide receiver yeah. one year. Um, all right. I'm hitting resume. <laughs> let's let's roll on this. That's easy peasy because I could take – I'll tell you who I would take for this year if the opportunity presented itself. And I love him long term. Yeah, this is awesome. 
probably left Vince for too long. He was <laughs> doing the dishes right now or something. I think he's thinking right. of how many times can he piss me off in one day. Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Yeah, he went he went the like middle finger JC pick right there. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that pick. All right, so Busty Chuck went Zay Flowers <laughs> at the one oh nine. It's um, always fun to hear the name the name read out loud. Yeah. Dude, you guys love Zay Flowers over there at the Dynasty Hour. That's like the echo chamber of the Zay Flowers, <laughs> like, you know, number one fan club. You know, between sure. you and ja- you and Jagger. Um Tell me so what been, you love. Of, what's what's up with Zay Flowers for you? So I've been indoctrinated, if we're being honest. Um, I was pretty standoffish. I'm not really on him as a player. I think he's a, a pretty damn good prospect, and I think he was going to be good regardless of any team he went to. But then I started looking at like his situation, um, and I know it could be considered murky in a lot of different ways, but I actually think it's a huge opportunity. Um Baltimore is not exactly who you would think of when you think of teams that develop wide receivers, right? Which is ironic because their bitter rival is like the best wide receiver developers of my lifetime, the Steelers. Um, But they've got a guy who's coming out who I think is super clean and super polished and can hit the ground running, which is what they need because, you know, much further development might not come. Um, But then you look at like what's going on in Baltimore where there's a ton of pressure on the coaching staff right now to win. Uh, there's a ton of pressure on the quarterback to produce and to show that he can throw. Uh, and the wide receiver room, while I like Bateman, I'm worried about his health. And Odell, I mean, you keep hearing people say, well, they paid Odell Beckham $15 million. They're not just going to use him as a decoy. Well, like, when you got, look at the guys in the league that are making $15 million, it's like Allen Robinsons and Cortland Suttons. It's not exactly like your target hog playing at the, you know, volume, you know, chuggers. Um, so Mark Andrews is always there, but I just think this is a beautiful opportunity for a guy who can do a little bit of the things that the offense has been lacking, um, over the years. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I like that offense for this year, for sure. I think mm-hmm. that all the coaching changes they made, I mean, you know, Monken's got to be better. I think it's always an upgrade when you, <laughs> just the just way drop. you said that was, was great because you're saying it like we're all saying it in our heads. That's exactly the tone we all have. Yeah, and you know they they brought in you know some new tight end coaches and a couple assistants mm-hmm. there, and um, you know he's he's got his whole new team over there. So, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I I just think that they're going to air it out more, and they're gonna they're gonna try to at least give Lamar um, some more looks as far as his passing game mm-hmm. goes. But I, I'm buying all in on on Lamar this year um, in PPC leagues and and. Andrews for sure. I think Andrews is going to have a great bounce back from last year, but even, yeah. even a bounce back from what, from a, a really good year <laughs> tight end wise, but tight end landscape yeah. is awful. So he doesn't have to do it much is. to improve on that. Um, no, he was rocking yeah. before his injury rocking. Yeah. So talking about tight ends, the next pick was Kincaid and you went Kincaid over mayor. I, I thought you had, yeah, so I I was mayor tight end one coming in coming into the draft. Um, I saw an interesting stat that Josh Allen 
he lost an average of 2.5 points per game due to like drops and stuff from like his targets. Um, and if you remember specifically, if you watched the Buffalo Bills uh, video of like their draft room and stuff, talking about who, why they drafted guys that they drafted and everything, their analytics guy, D Rock, I think his name was, he was all in on Dalton Kincaid having the best hands in the entire draft. So I think they specifically targeted Dalton Kincaid with the mindset that, hey, this guy is going to be a sure-handed weapon for us that we can now work the middle of the field, let Stephon Diggs work outside and maybe take away some of the safety over the top and allow mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs to attack multiple levels of the field. And I just think Dalton Kincaid is, is one of these guys that is going to step in and probably be more successful than than most rookie tight ends because of the way that he's going to be used. I don't think they're really going to use him as like an inline blocker or anything like that. I think they're going to mm-hmm. actually allow him to catch passes and stuff. So for that reason, that's why I moved him up over Mayer. And I had Dalton Kincaid as 109 on my rookie my rookie big board. I have Devon A. Chain uh, 110. So I, I couldn't in good conscience go against what it is that I have it ranked out as because I think – Don Kincaid probably probably provides better positional value in a tight end premium draft than Devon A. Chain does for a running back's positional value. So that's why I have to go Kincaid mm-hmm. over him. Dude, the fact that you knew their analytics guy and his name is D Rock is awesome. It's like, a very unique name. That's I think that's why. Yeah, that stands like, out. That's got a ring to it. An analytics guy going by D Rock. You imagine? Yeah, going, yeah you got it. I want to know him. I want to meet him. I want to see him. So (laughs) take him to dinner. A guy that's, but's punching numbers and and talking about, you know, empty air yards and the, the benefit of, you know, those lost air yards improving. I want to know what the D stands for and what made him want to go with the abbreviation. That's what I'm curious about. Maybe Dwayne the Rock. Imagine. Imagine. (laughs) Analytics. Dude, he's yeah, he's intelligent. I mean, that'd Guy's be great. Never not working. Um, all right, so we followed up. I went, I went mayor. I I had mayor as my tight end one up until maybe like three weeks before the draft, and then I I shifted Kincaid over him. And now I'm kind of, I'm not gonna say I'm definitely. I think I'm mayor over Kincaid. Um, I, I started going there again. I started thinking about it. Um, the wheels started turning on, you know, just him being that prospect, that prospect that I watched for years. Um, I felt like Mayer was in college for like a decade. You know, I felt like I've been watching him for so long that um, I, I, I just, you know, I, he's such a complete player. And I always said he's going to be a better like NFL player than a fantasy player. But I think that, it's going to equate to some good usage and um, maybe not immediately. He's not going to be that crazy good tight end one, but I think his ceiling is um, a steady tight end one for many years to come. So I think I might, I might go mayor over Kincaid in general. And if, if JC didn't go there, I probably would have taken mayor regardless, but um, and then your boy Vince took Devon chain um has he shifted at all for you jc with cook going there i mean everyone kind of knew cook was maybe going there and it looks like it's a more real possibility now 
Do you think that hurts him at all in the short term? Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, because I, I don't like, I think if you're a Devon A chain guy, you weren't expecting him to get 20 carries a game anyway. Um, that's mm-hmm. not really the way that, that he would, that he would produce you fantasy points. If anything, Dalvin Cook's been not a very good receiving back the last couple of years. In fact, he hasn't had more than like two care, two receptions per game over the last couple of years as well. So I think that's the way that Devon A chain probably picks up some of his value and, you know, if they want to bring Dalvin Cook in to be kind of like the plotter back to get more of the physical yards in the box, like that's fine. And then let Devon A. Chain be more of the slasher. Um, that would be, I think, the ideal way to use him. And I think that's the way that they would use him because I think they drafted him with a plan to get all that speed out on the field. So I'm not concerned about Dalvin Cook short term or long term. I think you kind of know what Devon A. Chain's role is in, in the offense. It sucks because I can't really get him anywhere, like in any in any league. Like if I don't <laughs> Personally, nobody's going to trade him to me because they'll just they'll just hold him hostage from me. So I think realistically, this would be the time to go buy him. Um, yeah, I I don't think you'd be able to get him for just a single second round pick, but I know a lot of people probably aren't comfortable paying two second round picks for Devon A. Chain. Um, I would, but I I personally believe in the in the talent that much. Um, so that's where I'm at on Devon A. Chain. But yeah, I think this would be the time to go buy him if you're interested in acquiring some Devon A. Chain shares because I think people are going to be a little antsy with the potential Dalvin Cook or Zeke or what have you running back that could potentially land in Miami. Yeah, yeah. this I, was the guy that they – this is the the mold of player Dalvin Cook that they could have signed that you're like, okay, that, does, that doesn't change anything. Like, hey, they brought in like a Kareem Hunt or maybe even like a Leonard Fournette who can maybe dip into that passing work a little bit, even if they are a little bit on the older side. You're not looking at as much maybe short-term usage, but I mean, it's clear what their plan is long-term, and he's the only running back on the roster that I think fits that mold. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's definitely a, a guy you want in PPR leagues. I, I just traded him for Henry straight up two days ago. Um my my build is I'm winning and I need to win nice. this year, so that felt really good. That's good and that's fun, yeah. that's pretty good value for for you know <laughs> somebody really that we're we're talking about Devon Chain, which we all had him as like the one ten one eleven. So I mean that's not so bad for Henry who mm-hmm. has to drop at some point in time, right? I mean, talk about two opposite sides of the spectrum of a running back too. I mean, that's seriously. Just, yeah. That's like the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really yeah, good. You're just Henry's gonna be, he's gonna die on my roster, and I think that's fine with me. You know, because when you die, so who roster, catches? You, so you make money. Who catches more passes this year, Henry or a chain? A chain. I think a chain. Yeah. Mm. A chain, definitely. We All right, we're rolling. Sticker going. Boom. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be left out of this party. Cruising right now. Nice. 
Ooh, interesting. All right, this is probably the last pause we're going to do after one round because we can probably fly mm-hmm. through these guys in, in a little sure. bit. Um, but, yeah, Chuck, you went Laporta, which is somebody mm-hmm. that is a lot of people's tight end one right now. Um, so I, I like that. I like that pick, obviously. He's he's mm-hmm. climbed. In our mock drafts, he was going in like the fifth round. You know, he was like way down there and people had no idea what they were getting with Laporta. Or I guess, you know, it wasn't really um, – I, I don't think anybody knew the DC that he was going to get. Nobody really expected him yeah. to shoot up that draft board. Um, I guess the NFL did and the Debbie guys had an idea, but everyone else had no idea that that was going to happen. So um, next pick – was JC. JC went Jack Charbonnet. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we know what happened over there in Seattle. We know where he landed, and that was definitely hard to stomach for a lot of people. Where do you guys see – like, what do you see happening in that backfield this year as far as the split goes? Nobody really knows, but, like, if you had to guess, what kind of percentage is, is Sharp going to see – um, in that backfield and, and what, what role are you going to see him in and develop over time at least? I think it's going to be like 60, 40, like Walker to Charbonnet. And I think Charbonnet is going to get a lot of like the higher value touches. Like he's going to get like short yardage and he's going to get the receiving work. And I think it's going to be an overall nightmare for like Kenneth Walker owners. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think, I think you'll, you'll get da- you'll get games where he breaks like a 70 yard run on like the first Mm -hmm. series and he basically you know you don't have to worry about him for the rest of the game he kind of already hit like his projected points and everything else on top of that is gravy and then Mm there will be other weeks where he breaks off a 60 yard run and he gets chased down to like the 12 and then he gets yanked and then it's just one of those things where it's going to be really matchup dependent for him and kind of game script dependent and i i just don't anticipate him being out on the field for a lot of third downs and i think some of the short yardage stuff is going to be Zach Charbonnet because he's a bigger guy. So I think that's just, mm-hmm. that's just what's going to happen. And it's going to be very frustrating for both, both owners. Zach Charbonnet goes like what, four or five rounds later than Kenneth Walker in a startup. And if you get close to the same upside as a guy like Kenneth Walker, I think you make the Zach Charbonnet pick all day, every day. And you kind of just, you kind of just hold that, hold out for that potential 60, 40 split. And, if it doesn't happen, then you have one of the highest valued handcuffs in fantasy football. So either way, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, sounds yeah, like an I... absolute nightmare. I agree. I agree <laughs> to an extent. You know, I think I think Sharp gets to that point, and I think that probably takes a little bit of time. Um, yeah, I think I think Walker probably will eat steadily. I mean, you know, they they love their split back um, teams, and they and they've always done that, but. Um, I think Walker will probably get a good, I would probably be like 70, 30. And then we'll see that kind of shift down after like three to four games. And I think by mid season, we're going to see that almost like a close to a, not a split, but we're talking like, you know, like 60, 40 feels, feels good. And, and you're going to see like almost equal production for um, most of those games after that mid season. So it, it does sound awful. um, But I, th- I love, I, 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 love I would say of all the guys, of all the guys that are being taken right now, rookie running backs, this is the only one that I could see getting 
75 carries, even though he played 14 games. And that's only because of the coaching history in Seattle. And I know that's a very like, come on, give me a break kind of answer, but that is just how they've done things. It's not been important to them. If he fails to pick up just to the NFL in any meaningful way, struggles with playlist, uh, playbook, blocking lanes. They, uh, there's a lot of, this is a win now team. If there's anything that he has, you know, like you said, takes that time to develop into, they're just going to continue to ride Walker. Um, who, I mean, he's shown that he can be, you know, he can handle that if they ask that upon him. Uh, I don't think that's a smart move on their behalf because um, of all the reasons that, you know, JC mentioned about, you know, what Sharp can bring to the offense. But I mean, this, of all the picks, this seems like the one, that could be the most frustrating across the board. Yeah, I agree. And Sharp is somebody that I think is going to have no problem transitioning to the NFL. You know, he was, he was like uh, the most complete back besides Bijan for me when I did my whole drafting and, and scouting process. And um, he does have all the intangibles. He catches passes. He can run through the middle. He's got good footwork. He's got decent speed. Um, vision is awesome for him so he's i think he's going to be great and i just i i really am sad of the landing spot because i was <laughs> yeah charged and i'm i love walker too and i know jc's yeah. smiling behind that hand of his so we'll keep it moving um yeah because you know uh i think he got the best landing spot given the fact that kamara might be suspended is starting to slip a little bit in efficiency and is not the Kamara that we know of and that we've seen in the past. So I think Kendrick could easily carve out a very good role in that offense, um, especially if Kamara misses time. I think he's going to be wheels up for whatever the first half of the season, and, and I think he's going to show that he belongs. So there's no way that they can yank him. Um, so it's probably going to be a split field there if – if Kamara misses the time, I think he's got a, a nice window to climb through. So, um, and then after that, we have Downs. Um, I liked a lot. He was pretty high in my draft process. He's, that's, I, I've cooled down on a little bit. Um, and that's no, I mean, no knock on him or anything, but um, I want to see that Indianapolis can, can throw the ball, um, can see and support they could barely support Pittman last year um I mean Anthony Richardson wasn't there but I want to see that offense I want to see how they're built and I want to see exactly um what they're going to do in the first few games to to really commit myself to downs I have a lot of shares of him but I don't I don't know what he's going to look like he might be like a low I'd receive three this and they, they really get the hang of of that offense and what they see but um you guys feel anything on these last couple of picks? You have any takes on downs or Kendra? I love Josh Downs. Yeah, I'll just I'll just say <laughs> it. I mean, it, like I have the most shares of like rookies that I have right now are A Chain, Charbonnet, and Downs. They have like three or four shares a piece of of the three of them. I I think they took Josh Downs with. I don't think he should have been there for them to take him number one in the third round. I think he's he's a better player yeah. than that. The fact that they did get him, I think it's kind of indicative of what they have planned for him in that role in the slot in the middle of the field. And that's kind of where Michael Pittman also operates. So I'm not entirely sure that it's a foregone conclusion that Michael Pittman's getting like a $20, $25 million a year contract 
next offseason, I think he could be gone. And if that's the if that's the case, I think Josh Downs kind of waltzes his way into like a wide receiver one workload because I, I really don't think Alec Pierce could can hold a candle to him in terms of in terms of route running and getting open and, and stuff like that. So I think Josh Downs is like an intriguing guy, and this kind of sucks about drafting with people who know who you like because there's no way that he was getting back to me at, at 206 where I would have loved to get him there. But I'm pretty optimistic that Josh Downs is a, is a really good value right now in rookie drafts. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite values because, um, yeah, he's somebody that I, I have – he creates great separation, and – that that is something I value in a prospect, somebody that, you know, can get open and like you said, open in the middle of the field too, where I think Richardson's probably gonna be working um primarily in. You know, I mean I know he's got a an arm, but they're probably gonna keep him on a leash for at least the the first half of the season. So I think Downs is probably gonna benefit from from that, yeah. from those little dump offs sure. and they're looking for layups early on um, and honestly probably even for a couple of years as they try to figure out what the ceiling is of the offense. I mean, if you told me two years from now that it was Downs and Pierce were the starters on the team, like you said about Pittman, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised in any meaningful way. Uh, but I mean, what this offense can do even historically in the past has always relied on regardless of the talent level the scheme first uh, and then guys that can take the scheme to the ceiling. Um, and I mean, that's what they're starting to do with their draft picks. All right, let's keep it rolling. We're gonna we're gonna just fly through this now, and, and we're gonna just touch on certain guys. But I've gotten through the meat of the first round. Yeah. So Jonathan Mingo going at the two hundred five. Um, Chuck, what were you were you surprised when he got taken as high as he was in in the NFL draft day two? I think he was like a top forty pick or something like that. And do you think that there's a realistic possibility that he is the wide receiver one this season for Bryce Young? Um, I actually loved where he went because I think that that's another team very similar to the Colts. That's like just complete. Let's. We need to evaluate everybody that we have. Nobody's guaranteed anything except for Bryce Young, right? Which is exactly what you want, and that's where the opportunities always lie. Um, I think this year, though, I still think DJ Chark can play at a moderately high level. Uh, I thought he was very good for what the Lions asked him to do last year. He was the only deep threat on the team. Um, I don't know how much of that the Carolina's going to ask him to do, um, but I still think that he's got gas left in the tank. Might be a hybrid, but he's still got gas left in the tank. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I think one of our first posts that we did for our Twitter page was why take Jonathan Mingo when you could take Aiden Reed like around like around later and like mm. rookie ADP data or whatever at, the, at that time. Yeah, uh, I was I was surprised to see Mingo go that high. But <laughs> it's it's one of those things where he's he's athletically gifted enough. He had a really good Raz score. The team seems like that they are willing to develop him. So I, I'm, I'm interested in Jonathan Ming, in Jonathan Mingo. I, I, I just don't know if I could pull the trigger where he's going now at this point in the draft. But I think that's where you have to draft him if you want any shares of him. So it's that's kind of, of course. And that and that whole thing when you start to get in these tiers for the players, and as much as they matter, um, you know, and they vary player to player. This is where I really start attaching to myself to 
destinations and what's happening there and what the next like five year sorry, five year three years are going to look like for the player um and i just like teams that you know don't feel tied down to their skill position group um making some pretty significant capital investments yeah. I took Will Levis at the 206. I think the fall was was long enough in a super flex league. He got drafted 33rd overall. They traded up to get him at the beginning of the second round. So I anticipate mm-hmm. at some point in time, Will Levis will be the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. I don't know for how long. I don't know if they'll let him throw the ball at all. Like they did not let Malik Willis do last, last season when he got the play. Um, but that being said, I think it's good value at 206. I think I typically see him go like in the ninth or 10th round in startup formats. Um, and I think at that point, that's a good value because I think you're taking Will Levis essentially at his basement value. And I think that, like I said, with him being a future starting quarterback, I think he's only going to gain value in that, in that instance. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good with him going at 206 nerd. You had Roshan at 207. What are your thoughts on Roshan? Heading into that backfield with Herbert and Foreman, do you think he's a guy that could be the lead back this season, or is he more of a, a wait-and-see kind of guy? Um, yeah, I like Roshan, and I think you know people would have been a lot higher on him had he not been in the backfield with Bijan. Um, he is somebody that I, I do like as a prospect, but that landing spot is – probably going to rise him a little bit. Um, I did take him over tank tank went right, right after him. Um, but I think Roshan has at least a clearer path to immediate production. Um, I like tank as a change of pace back as, as somebody that is going to probably get like a 30% snap share at first. And then he might work into a decent role, um, down the line a little bit, but I think Roshan could almost split backfield immediately with with Khalil Herbert um if if given that opportunity um like I said Tank went right after that somebody that I do love I hate that spot but it's not going to be so bad not as bad as people think it's going to be um and then Marvin Mims is somebody that I am indifferent about how do you guys feel about Marvin Mims somebody <laughs> tell me, somebody sell me on Marvin Mims Chuck you took him so you talk about Marvin Mims a little bit um, this is one that I personally had been, um, I, I liked the landing spot and I liked the player coming out, but I was a little down on him after the picks. I was like, what, what is happening with this Denver Broncos offense? Um, you know, and the, what seems to be four players who might not be the same prospects or skill position group, but are not skill position group, um, skill sets, but all feel like the same tier. Like when I think of Judy Sutton, Mims and Patrick, like, I don't think of, wildly different players as far as like their score from a one to 10. Um, but I think that if Judy continues on this track of like being good, but not good enough to resign, which I think that most people would agree that he still needs to show a lot that they've drafted the Judy replacement as far as that like deep slot guy that can kind of hit up and over, uh, which is what Sean Payton's going to ask a lot out of that role. So this is kind of me. This is a bet against Judy, even though I love Judy. I think that's a fair criticism of Judy, honestly. And I, I, I'm pretty sure Nerd also lo- likes Judy a lot. I'm a big Jerry Judy guy, but I think it's fair to at least say that he hasn't been able to stay on the field with any kind of consistency. And the production's kind of been lacking. Like, if you look at it from, like, a full, a full season scale, if you look at small samples, he looks really good in small samples. Um, you can mm-hmm. point to, like, fair yard share. You can point to his yards per route run. 
there's there's other metrics that he looks good in, but he's, he never does it for a full season, which I think is important a, a, an important distinction that you made in that just because he looks good in certain points of the season, he's got to do it for a full year at least for them to feel yeah. any kind of confident way to sign him to a contract like that. There's nothing more deadly in fantasy than like a final five weeks of a player showing up. It is the most narrative twisting, like perception changing thing that could happen. If a player balls out over the final four or five weeks of the season, he might as well have balled out for some people for the entire season. Like that's that. And that's always, and it happens every year across the board, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. It's inevitable. And he's this year's best example of it. Yeah. It's recency bias is what it is. It's whatever your mind remembers the most of. And if you remember a player balling out for you in the playoffs, then you're going to love that player. Um, Mm -hmm. I do. I love Judy. I think people forget that Judy was one of the most sought out fantasy dynasty wide receivers of the last like 10 years. Like people Mm -hmm. were so high on Judy. They had him above JJ. Um, They had him, you know, they were like, he's going to be the best root runner in the NFL ever. You know, that that's what was, everyone was like, oh, his, his roots are great. He's a clean runner, runner. He, he this and that, you know, like, um, and he's never really lived up to that hype, but I've always seen, like JC said, those flashes, um, he takes plays off and that's what I don't like about Judy. He could be mm-hmm. so great, but he just isn't great all the time. And I don't know yeah. if that's a mental thing or if that is like a, <clears throat> a system thing or whatever it is, but um, they do need to figure that out because I see his potential, but like you said, he hasn't really ever lived up to that potential. Um, so I, that's I, a I really, that. I wish people talked about that more. Cause that's a really important point because with his skill set is supposed to be like career proof, right? Like maybe you never hit top, top ceiling, but it's like, you're going to get contract after contract with the things that he's good at. Um, but if you have that kind of approach to the game, like you're going to get, I don't want to say blackballed, but I mean, you're going to get, you're going to miss opportunities that would typically be presented to you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's been the knock on him. It's his work ethic. It's, it's his mental makeup uh, more than anything else. And I think that's what you hear people say all the time is, you know, Judy could be amazing because he is that guy that is running up the field and getting their DB lost in the sauce and making an amazing catch and um, running the end zone. And then the next play he's dropping, you know, this pass, that pass, easy go routes, like, um, you know, so there's no rhyme or reason. There's no consistency there. And that's, that's alarming to see, um, you know, from, from at least the fantasy perspective is, you know, you, you can see these great plays, but you know, I, like I said, his contract isn't a guarantee. So um yeah, and then Sean Payton's not going to stand for that either. If he sees you taking off a play, he's probably going to take you off the field. So um, I'm I'm curious to see how that plays a role in his development. Um, but let's let's kind of run through some picks and and talk about some values real quick because we have been uh, we took a lot of time on those, but we definitely got some good breakdown. Um, all right, so we ended there. We went Mims, Tajay Spears, somebody that hey, if Henry falls off a cliff all of a sudden. Um, and Tajay Spears has ACLs at work for an extended period of time. He's somebody that could definitely gain in value um, pretty quickly. I went Jaden Reed. Um, I do love Jaden Reed. I don't know what, you know, love is going to be able to produce as far as um, what he can do. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, Dobbs talk and I'm hearing, you know, 
I, I don't know what to make of that. That team right it's now. crazy right now. This last week has been like um, Packers propaganda to the max. They all released the stories at the same time. Yeah, because everyone's gassing up Jordan Love, and I don't know what kind of quarterback he has. Nobody knows who Jordan Love is. Um, I'm falling for it, for being honest. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm the, 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 slowly. the Packers, you have to imagine, you know, they would have brought somebody else in if they didn't think Jordan Love could handle it. Um, and that's, that's what I'm telling myself, at least. You know, I think maybe he – they're saying, oh, like all the players are coming out and, and hitting that propaganda saying that he's as good as Rodgers and he, he throws as good of a ball as Rodgers does. And, um, you know, I like that gassing up. I love I love when they're they're gassing up their they're kind of their rookie quarterback, so to speak, you know. Um, so, I mean, I he's got that good D.C. And, and hey, if he if he hits and he's really good, um I think Jaden Reed definitely benefits. And I think he's probably going to carve out a nice role in that team because it's Watson, Dobbs, and then who else is catching passes out they, there? It's, they just went tight know. end heavy pretty much after that. I mean, they're that's that, that's their makeup right now, and that's going to be their makeup for at least the next two years. I mean, love, I think people forget that Love has a cannon. Like, he can sling it. Um, I just wonder if they're going to uh, ask him to at all. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, that's a, that's a situation I love. I love this for fantasy, you know, cause love was for nothing. I was last year, I was trading for love. Like he was um, worth a third in super flex leagues. He was worth nothing. You know, people forgot that he was, he was a first round quarterback and, and everyone just was sick of having him on their team. So um, he was a great yeah. guy last year. For for somebody that's trying to get, you know, right now he's probably going for um, at least a, a mid 24 first, I think. I don't know what his value is wow. currently, but he's he's up there. I see him go um, in like the eighth round of startups. You know, he's going in like that, that Kirk Cousins and um, where Daniel Jones used to go. He's rising a little bit, but he's he's up there in value for sure. He, he um, would be my yeah. pick this year for the guy who – for like that Lamar, Josh Allen, Fields, um, Jalen Hurts, absolutely late-round free quarterback for this year that could return top six, top seven value. If you believe like I do in the coaching staff and kind of some of the surrounding talent they have, um, I think he's worth a shot. I could see it happening even if it, I only believe it like 10%. That boy, that bad boy's getting clipped right there. We're throwing, we're throwing. <laughs> oh, we got it. Absolutely. That's going, that's going mm-hmm. on Twitter tomorrow. Um, because mm-hmm. that was up. old. That was hot, dude. That was a hot, hot take. Make sure um, you keep that 10% in there. Yeah, that was, that was wild. <laughs> I was in disbelief. I was waiting for something like a butt, but that mm-hmm. just ended and that was great. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. for it, Chucky. Busty Chucky coming in hot. <laughs> That's where we gain like that's where you gain like a value advantage though in situations where mm-hmm. you're not entirely sure how it's going to play oh, yeah. out. Like, that's that's the why game. they're being valued at a certain point in the draft that if they do hit, you're going to get that much more return on your investment. If they flout fall flat, well, you didn't really waste that mm-hmm. much because you draft them kind of late anyway. So I do think that's an important point to make, like in a dynasty draft, that that's why a lot of people like they want like Samuel Porta or they'll wait a little while and draft like a Jamison Williams, like for the, because you want a piece of the Lions yeah. offense in general, but you don't want to 
take the chance like, oh, if I take Jameer Gibbs in round three or, oh, if I take Amon Ross St. Brown at the end of round two, am I going to be losing value at this point next year or something like that? Or would I rather waste sure. a lower end asset and hope that they hit and I gain that much more value? So I, I do think it's a it's a point. It's a point to, to talk about at least. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, all right. So after where do we go? We stopped at Rice at Tajay. Yep, Rasheed Rice. Um, and then we went Luke Shoemaker. Um, I don't know. I mean, we don't have why'd, to talk you about Luke, why'd you go Luke? <laughs> why'd you go Luke? Luke over Musgrave is a, is a decision. Yeah, we'll skip over that, though. Um, JC got Cedric. Cedric Tillman is somebody that I think is going to plummet in value, like almost like a bell in the sense that he's not going to get like high usage this year. People are going to really forget and not think about what he is and what kind of prospect he is. Um, so I think you could probably steal Tillman off of a lot of rosters next year. Um, Cause as he's going to be he a- as bad as David Bell. I think we're all right. If he, if he gets the same kind of usage as David Bell and falls flat on his face, I'd be very worried at that point. Yeah. I, I just don't know. He's not going to see the field over, um, I mean, he might split time think, with Elijah Moore, you know, I like he might. True X. Like, I think, I think Tillman is the X. I think they want Cooper to work more in the slot. And then Elijah Moore, if you, if you look at like his splits in, for the Jets, he was more of an outside receiver as well. They kind of kicked him into the slot once Garrett Wilson came and they were like, all right, well, this guy is the truth. Elijah Moore, we have Corey Davis on the outside who could block. So you really aren't going to get on the field unless we kick you into the slot. So I think that's, that's what they, they had to do to get Elijah Moore on the field somewhat, but I don't think that's, that's his primary position that he wants to, that, that he's the most effective at, but I don't yeah. think he's a better outside receiver than Cedric Tillman is from an NFL perspective. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting case. I'm, I'm probably they, on Elijah Moore at cost. Yeah. But they love Donovan people Jones over there. They're I, Watson has verbally said that mm-hmm. he likes Donovan people Jones. And I think the staff likes him. I think he's going to see a lot of work still. I think they, they like him as a, a deep threat. Um, I don't know. Broke I mean, last year. Yeah. He, he was decent last year. Well, I wouldn't, you know, he, he had his best year so far. Um, I, I don't I know. That offense is going to be fun. They, they had last year and everything they had going against them and how ridiculous the whole thing was and look at his performance and say, I don't see if you take a hundred receivers, I don't see 90 of them um, surviving in that environment. Like I thought he was able to week to week last year. Yeah. I think it's going to be a fun thing to watch. There's a lot of good narratives. There's a lot of good players that have, that could have great value in the rookie drafts. Um, But Tillman is somebody that we all loved that JC and I had as one of our guys. Um, So I, I love his value. You know, if you can get him in the in the third of rookie drafts, I think that's great value. Um, Luke Musgrave is somebody that I went with right after that pick. Uh, I, I think Green Bay already named him their starting tight end. So that's if you can get him in the third um, for all you insane people that are still r- drafting out there or if people aren't really aware of what's going on in Green Bay, um, I think Musgrave is the guy that you want. Um, and then Izzy. Um, Abanaconda is, I think the, the darling of, you know, Twitter pre-draft, um, 
you know, I think he might have some decent value if Brees doesn't come back and, and really, you know, hit the ground running. I think we've talked about this before where Izzy might be the guy that benefits the most from, from Brees coming back and, and not being fully healthy. Um, and then Twitter they just, we told get... me that Tucker Kraft is Mark Andrews and uh, Luke Musgrave is uh, Hayden Hurst. That's what yeah. Twitter. I, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, Twitter Twitter is fun, man. Bots are love, again. I love Twitter, but hey, I mean, maybe they're right, and maybe Green Bay doesn't know anything about what they're doing over there. So um, I, I highly doubt that Twitter knows more than than the scouting of of Green Bay, but. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Um, this is just the Jordan. This is Jordan love talk right here. And you guys don't even know it. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the rest is uh, really just like, you know, prayer hands. I think we ended the draft with like, I hope they do well, but um, you know, tank Dell, Jalen Hyatt, um, Jalen Hyatt has fallen so hard after all that hype that he got in the beginning of the really the has. season. I mean, um, cliff, cliff, cliff diving, basically. Everyone hated Hyatt coming out. Like, I think <laughs> I couldn't find, I couldn't find one analyst that really liked. Actually, I think, uh, somebody, somebody was really high on on Hyatt at the beginning, um, and I think it really echoed through Twitter for a while there. But everyone that you talked to that watched tape um, didn't like what what Hyatt was, and um, it is, you know, I, I guess the NFL saw that and realized, you know, that they're not going to waste any high draft capital on Hyatt either. And everyone was saying he's going to be a first round pick. So another, another reason, you know, to really not follow Twitter during that time period of before your rookie drafts, don't, don't get all your information from Twitter. Um, Lance Zerline gave him like a 6.5. Like he was like his wide receiver one for like a good bit of, of the audience yeah. after his initial film grades. And I, I think that's what, what was kind of propping up Hyatt's value a lot during that off season because he's a respected guy in the, in the film community and like the scouting community and stuff. So when he gives a grade like that, people are like doing like a double take, like, Hey, like mm-hmm. are we missing something on Jalen Hyatt? And it turns out we probably are. Yeah. And you always have to question that because you know, there's, there's guys out there that big analysts that, um, everyone gets their information from, you know, like they're, they're influencing a lot of people. So, it's something you do have to be careful about because not everyone is right. But hey, maybe Hyatt, maybe Hyatt's the guy in in New York. Maybe he's somebody that I think he'll have a decent boomer bust. Like he'll have a really a decent ceiling and a a zero floor. You know, um, he worked off of all free releases in college, so there's no way that he's not going to see any press coverage or or he's not going to see those broken plays that he made all his, his money off of in college. But um, he has an opportunity to everybody else there other than him. We know who they are. Um, We know a little too much who they are. He has an opportunity to show that we don't know who he could be. Um, The book's not written on him yet. Like it does feel like it is with the rest of the roster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not in a terrible landing spot, you know, like he could easily carve out a role on that team. Um, you know, I, I'm not betting on it, but yeah, it's possible. Um, next pick was Dwayne McBride. I just, you know, it's a dart throw at this point, but Hey, cook's not there. I like, I like Dwayne McBride almost as much as I like anybody in the backfield. So I'll, I'll take a stab at Dwayne McBride. Uh, and then my guy, Zach Evans, I think Vince probably, 
pick Zach Evans for me, you know, so that we can talk about him. Yeah, we're not going to talk about him. After that, Sean, <laughs> Sean Tucker, Michael Wilson, Puka, and then Clayton Toon. Is that um, Sean Tucker's jersey? Is he wearing number 69 for the for the Buccaneers? Or? I've written him so many letters asking him to to validate this. Um <laughs> Oh man, I love. I just he's my uh, he's my, my my Buccaneers darling this year. I'm I'm very excited for what a healthy and medically cleared Sean Tucker can do uh, with a team that loves nothing more than to run the ball on first and long. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean, hey, I w- I want a story with Sean Tucker so bad because you know pre-draft process it was Zach Evans and Sean Tucker in the first round for me. You know, like that's how much I love those two guys in college. Um, obviously, Zach Evans had red flags, but, you know, Tucker. I mean, I nobody really knew that that I guess everyone figured it out, but obviously, but nobody really knew that he had that that serious medical issue. Uh, um, and, that, and that's very unfortunate for him. But I really hope that he comes back fully healthy. And, and you know, if he does and he's Sean Tucker, like the guy that we know, um, I think he could easily push Rashad white for some, mm-hmm. some snaps in that backfield for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. That's not a lot of changes, right. In in the rookie draft for the most part, like we're not shifting so much on these values as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, That's honestly, know, when we talked, when we talked about doing this, I was I was excited to see if it was going to play out exactly like that because I had anticipated that being the case just because of like what we talked about right like the NFL is in like an absolute standstill or at least it feels like it is like we're moving like molasses um, so now it's everybody's chance to kind of go back and maybe pick out either bias or maybe they overlooked players underlooked players that uh, seems like we did pretty uh, pretty good with the evaluations the first time yeah I mean. You know, there's there's obviously some shifts in the tight ends a little bit. Um, you know, Zach Charbonnet is definitely a lot lower than he would have gone um, about a month and a half ago. Um, but otherwise, it's, you know, it's really the later rounds that we are kind of getting solidified for the most part. Um, because before it was, you know, you, you can kind of see how the, the the charts are playing out a little bit, even in the early goings of camp and stuff and um you know you like the kendra millers and maybe the roshans um are, are gonna be up there as far as value goes um even as early as the beginning of the season if if they are claiming that starting role but yeah it felt good for me yeah i mean it felt good for me too <laughs> I guess we gotta we gotta end with this chat because I gotta find this. <laughs> you guys, I, I Did you send it Discord, on on the Discord? The Discord? Uh, Twitter is uh, Twitter's not playing ball with me right now. Twitter's been weird the last couple of days. I've been having trouble inter- interfacing with it. I tagged you guys in uh, the variety sports at the bottom. I didn't want to post it, um, you know, in some. It should just take you to like a word doc or something. Variety sports, huh? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Got a narrator piece. <laughs> it's it's you don't have to read long to be able to tell that an AI wrote most of this. But we can uh, we can give it off. Are you all coming off as highlighted? Your names? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not. Right. I can't open it right now. Hold on. I assume that, or not assume. I'll um, I'll narrate it because there's actually not narration. It's just like the overloading intro and then fade out. <laughs> I think we could. Oh, I got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All, right, All right. So go get, yeah, dive into it. Okay. <clears throat> Chuck, a guy with a knack for hilarious one. Oh, sorry. This is a, this is a fantasy football scene written by chat GPT using, I think you should leave from Netflix as a theme. <clears throat> Chuck, a guy with a knack for hilarious one-liners, sits at a table covered in fantasy football magazines, cheat sheets, and the Dynasty Generator's ranking. Mike, a laid-back dude, lounges next to him. JC, a stat-obsessed nerd, meticulously studies his draft notes. Thanks for coming over, guys. You really are the Turbo Team. I hope my team is as cool as Chuck's. While you're shaking, while you're chasing girls, I'm chasing stats. Facts don't lie, my friends. Now, could someone help me with this coat? There's too much fucking shit on me. That's a chunky. Let me help, even though I know you're just here for the zip line. I am. Really? Fuck, I should have lied. Well, it's okay. Besides, I heard your moves on the field are as smooth as your moves on the dance floor. Is that why your team always ends up in the friend zone? <laughs> hey, my team might flirt a lot. But they also score big, just like me. Chuck, statistically speaking, your team has the lowest scoring average in the league. Maybe you should focus less on chasing skirts and more on scoring points. JC, buddy, love is a stat that can't be measured by numbers alone. I'm playing the fantasy game on a whole different level. Anyways, I guess you could say that that is, well, let's just skip over that. <laughs> Speaking of tactics, Chuck, any tips for this year's draft? Try your best to avoid any running backs in the first three rounds. I watched all of their game film, and it was just hours and hours of bodies busting out of shit wood and hitting pavement. Chuck, you know I don't have time for comedy on the field. I've got too much going on business-wise. JC, my man, you're like the fantasy football rain man, but instead of counting cards, you're counting yards. Where the hell are we, man? Is it me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let me fire off this tweet, and then we can get going. Tell me what you guys think. Slap and sewn some fantasy pig shit with these fat fucks, and I'm the fattest of them all. If I died tomorrow, no one would shed a tear. Just load, just load my lard carcass into the mud. No coffin, please. Just wet, wet mud. Mike, you really did used to be a piece of shit, didn't you? 
That's why he's always drafting triples. He's got triples of the Dolphins, triples of the 49ers, and triples of the Vikings. Triples is best. I don't know if I can do this. This season is going to be tougher than I thought. I don't know what any of this shit is, and I'm just fucking scared. You sure about that? You sure that's why? Why? You got me. You got me. I'm just afraid to draft Austin Eckler. Why? He's a ball boy. I hate ball boys after I was accidentally sewn into the pants of Big Charlie Brown at the Macy's Day Parade. Why are you all swearing? It's the adult draft. You're allowed to swear. You can't change the rules just because you don't like how I'm doing them. No one is changing anything. I'm going to get set up on my stuff. I don't want any questions about the tables. JC, when are you going to finally tell us your deep sleepers? Remember last year when he took Paul Buffano and Roy Donk on the first two rounds? Haha, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Shouldn't have made such a sloppy mud pie. If you guys keep this up, I'm going to embarrass you. We're joking. How come the Wi-Fi isn't working? I forgot to tell you guys, my baby, Bart Harley Jarvis, broke it. Absolute fucking, fucking bullshit. bullshit. Unprofessional <laughs> bullshit. End scene. That was that yeah, that was definitely interesting. Um Oh, I, feel like, I feel like people are going to just tune into that and have absolutely no idea what's going on. And, and that's going to be. I, I get it. The fact yeah. that you guys haven't seen the show, you have to I've watch it show. now. Because, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. You have seen it. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, um, that was amazing. And I feel like it was a groundbreaking moment in podcasting history because I don't think a lot of screenplays are getting read. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a, a first here, and it'd probably be the last, but that's all right. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I just wish I knew my character's motivation. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be playing yeah. up until that up until mm-hmm. that scene. Um, so I would have tried I to asked it, more inflection in my voice, yeah. I asked it to give everybody in dis- distinct characteristics, and it um, made Mike, Mike allow, a laid-back dude is your characteristic. Uh, uh, it's all good well thank you guys that was my uh that was my exercise hey well that was that was definitely a very chuck-esque pod that we had going there um that was the first first time sworn quite a bit on too yeah yeah Mm. we definitely yeah i'm sorry about that but that was that was a lot yeah that's all right it's good to have a a good swear um you want to close out with anything chuck what do you have going on uh, not a whole lot for up? me. Still, still got the Dynasty Hour um, Thursdays at uh, I think nine, nine ten, something like that. Um, just plugging away with blind dates are coming up. Mike, you'll be on soon. Um, and yeah, just gearing up for the season. So we're having a lot of fun. Awesome. What about JC? You got anything coming up, buddy? Um, trying to work. I'm working on an article for the 2024 wide receiver class that I think I'm going to drop at some point over the next week. So I've done one for the quarterback class and the running back class so far, but wide receivers are deep. There's always a lot of guys, statistically speaking, that could potentially break out that we could be looking at. So I'm still digging, but hopefully by next week. Nice. All right, guys. Well, I had a, I had a blast talking rookies, getting into, you know, the whole script and everything. I feel like if this doesn't work out as far as fantasy goes, we can probably 
get a different sub pod going and, and maybe work that in a little bit. And um, if not, you know, I, I, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. But all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll see you next week.